1: And uh, welcome aboard to this Roughonomics U session. I am David Wolf. Uh, Howard Ruff will join us in just a moment. I want to tell you a little bit about Howard uh, and the Rough Times for those of you that may not know. The Rough Times is a 15 issue, one year subscription plus weekly updates, and brings you a treasure trove of guidance to help you make money. Howard Ruff has been right most of the time for 35 years since he's been doing all this, and today he's 35 years smarter. The Rough Times is regularly priced at $215 for 15 issues each year, but for those joining us on the call, we are offering a new subscription for only $179. That's a $36 savings, and that includes a free copy of Howard's latest book, How to Prosper in the Age of obama That's included in the subscription price. If you're already a subscriber, you can renew for that same $179 by the way. Just uh, go to www.roughtimes.com and you can subscribe to the newsletter there. And with that, I'd like to go ahead and uh, move into our uh, class tonight. Howard Ruff. Uh, Howard, welcome.
2: Thank you. Uh,
1: we had a question just before we started. Uh, you've been going through uh, uh, some changes here, a little bit of health stuff going on, and a lady uh, w- was asking, give us a quick uh, update on how you're doing.
2: Well, I'm first, thank you, ma'am, for, for being concerned about me. Well, let me tell you what has happened. Uh, about seven years ago, I started uh, showing having weakness in my legs, difficulty with, uh, walking, prolonged walks. I couldn't take the dog for a walk more than a couple hundred yards, and it got worse and worse. And then suddenly, it got a lot worse. And so I went to a neurologist today, who is the leading neurologist near you. And she was considering the possibility of a spinal tap and uh, and doing some things that would. Uh, Uh, deal with uh, the brain and so forth. But uh, after thoroughly examining me, she decided that the most probable possibility is for me to have a a mild case of Parkinson's disease. Now, Parkinson's is not a fatal disease, and it's not affecting me intellectually or not affecting my brain, except um, it'll sometimes give you tremors. And some difficulties walking, and so I was very happy to hear that because that's highly controllable with uh, uh with uh, uh, drugs and so the i uh, I'm feeling pretty high at night because that means I don't have to do a spinal tap and I don't have to do any brain surgery and that sort of thing so that's that's really very good news uh it it'll will not interfere with my doing the rough times. In fact, uh, I, I've I've been in a rehab center, which is mostly physical therapy, and 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 that has helped a lot. I've gotten a lot improved a lot, and uh, in physical therapy, and uh, and so in the process of doing that, uh, I apparently have improved a lot just because of that. And so, with that and the drugs that they'll do to control mild Parkinson's. Uh, I think I'm going to be fine. I'm good for another five to ten years. Wonderful. Uh, that doesn't seem to be any matter of concern, and I'm certainly uh, I'm certainly cheerful about it. My morale is just fine, and uh, intellectually, it's uh, it hasn't touched me at all, really.
1: You really sound good. I, I can hear it too, and we've been working together for a while. I can I can feel it in your energy and in your voice. So it's good stuff.
2: I uh, well, I'm just... I'm just as curious as I am about what's going on. I even in the rehab center. I uh, I even wrote a rough title while I was in the rehab center, and so rehab is, is for uh, it's all physical therapy, really. About mm-hmm. two hours a day of it, yeah, yeah. And that helps uh, people who who have uh, some similar difficulties that uh, to mine. Uh, who will get better as a result of the rehab. So that's what I do. And uh, I'm, I'm holding off uh, coming out of rehab and going home because if with the difficulties uh, that I'm having with uh, walking, getting up out of chairs and so forth, yeah, yeah. that's uh, kind of difficult for Kay to take care of me. And so I'm going to wait until I've improved enough. Uh, that I won't be a burden to Kay so I can go home and be w- back with her again. And then uh, we've moved just recently to from Saratoga Springs to Lehigh, Utah, a lovely condo with just a mm-hmm. uh, which is really a lot of space, a nice big place. Mm-hmm. And uh so j- that's the story really, I'm uh, it was all good news today.
1: It is all good news. And I'm just so glad uh, you're here and folks joining us. We have a nice group uh, joining. I'm going to go ahead and open Q&A up.
3: session started. I want to go ahead
1: and open up the lines. Uh, if, if We're going to make this a little bit shorter than our usual hour, folks, simply because we know election returns are coming in and a lot of folks are interested in getting kind of looking at that and watching uh, uh, the news as it comes in in real time. So we're going to do probably 30 minutes or so. Uh, we'll, we'll cover a range of topics. I've gone ahead and opened up the line so if you do have a question while we're uh, Howard is chatting while we're talking about these issues that are uh, on everyone's minds uh, go ahead and press star six and uh, I'll see you pop up on my screen. I thought we could start uh, by kind of going back to basics with the rough times. Um, In a recent issue, Howard, you reminded us that you're really not publishing in any way a tip sheet for stocks in terms of trading in and getting out and those sorts of things. Why are some investors uh, out there tempted to think in terms of short-term trading, and why is it really a bad idea?
2: Well, I don't know why most investors want to do it, but the people want me to make short-term recommendations. Some people do. They're just tired of... uh, seeing the same recommendations week after week, month after month, even year after year. And so they they want action. Now, action means give us a hot investment every every month. Well, first, that's the sure way to absolute financial ruin. Because uh, if, if you followed me making short-term calls, you'd lose money for sure because I'm no darn good at it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I don't know anybody who is real good at it. Uh, who's smart enough to do that? Mm. Consequently, uh, I'm. Uh, I don't do that. I'm. I, I try to get a long-term trend and stay with it until the trend changes. And so the things that I have in my menu, in the rough times, in, in the, uh, the the uh, yeah, the recommended uh, menu selection uh, of all yeah. these investments uh, are going to stay until the, something changes with a company or there's a there's a merger or. Or a change of management, or new discovery, or something. Uh, then I might uh, I, w- I w- would probably make some changes. We have been doing that all along. So much of
1: yeah, exactly, and some people might say, "Well, why are there no changes?" Here's the reason: it's it's about the underlying fundamentals, and so much of what you write about and and report over the years is is in the metals area. And one key thing that I've been left with as I've been working with you over the past year or so is uh, is the idea that there are two reasons to be in the metals. Uh, One is that of insurance and uh, protection against the uh, devaluation of the dollar uh, uh, and its inflation, and the other is capital gains the profits that you can make in stocks. Talk to us a little bit about those, the two sides of that coin, pun intended.
2: Well, I like to look at, the, at my investments in the metals in two ways. If you have um, bullion coins, for example, uh, 90% silver coins or 999 fine silver coins, uh, that should be part of an insurance program for you. You will make money, but that's not why you're investing in it, because you'll make more money doing some other things, which I'll explain in a moment. But I'd like you to think about it. I have about 30% of your portfolio invested in uh, in insurance-type coins. And, now and what are we insuring against? We're insuring against the loss of purchasing power of the dollar. We're also insuring against the loss of... Uh, of value of the dollar in relation to other currencies. But that's for insurance. Now, for profit, I think you want to buy metals in the ground. Metals in the ground means mining stocks. And because there's lots of money be made there, and if you look at the, port for the menu in the rough times, you'll see huge profits of as much as 1,600% since the first of last year Uh, in a couple of investments, and a lot of investments, 2 or 300% in that time. So that's for profit. Eventually, you're going to want to get out of that. Then you're going to switch your whole portfolio into into, um, insurance-type coins. Mm -hmm. But not now. About 30% makes sense. And another 30% minimum uh, invested in the rest of the um, menu. And then the, the other forty percent, you have to put put it wherever you want. Uh, maybe you're smarter at picking those stocks than I am. Yeah. But uh, generally speaking, uh, you need to divide your your coin holdings or your uh, bullion holdings into two categories for profit and for insurance.
1: And therein lies the one of the major principles that you follow as you publish and write and educate. Uh, us about how to do this right um folks uh, once again i have opened up the lines if you do have a question you can chime in anytime during the call star six is the button to press for your calls uh your, your questions for howard let's switch gears housing um we've been through a big downdraft for all the reasons all of us know what are your general give us a broad stroke on the housing market right now howard rough
2: now, say that again, please please
1: g- give us your general thoughts, your broad stroke on uh, the condition of the housing market. What are your views
2: well first uh the the house houses housing hasn't lost enough enough of the uh value to be good buys yet mm. uh, th- I believe the next couple of years are going to see a real downdraft in the housing market. There's a tremendous overhang of foreclosed houses houses for sale. The, are being held off the market because they feel the owners feel it's a bad market for selling a house, and I believe that uh, that's going to help sink the market another 10, 15, even 20 percent over the next year. Now, I re- you remember back in the 70s, if you were with me at that time, I recommended housing as a, as an inflation hedge. Now, inflation hedges only work if they're cheap enough that they'll go up. And these aren't cheap enough to go up, so I don't recommend them as an inflation hedge. Possibly, uh, seeing as a real estate, there's a, uh, a local market, really, determined by a lot of local factors. Again, it's difficult to make a generalization. Sure. But generally speaking, I would suggest that uh, you the time will come, but not now. When I believe there will be fine... Uh, um, inflation edges, and so the but for now uh, i believe that there's a weak market and it's going to get weaker and i don't believe that you should even be looking at real estate and as an investment unless you can you're lucky enough to get a real terrific buy well below the market uh, that's always possible.
1: Okay. Yeah, and I was going to ask if, if a, a buyer or a caller or a listener was to say, Well, I found an REO or a foreclosure so far below the market, then it might be worth considering, and you would agree with that.
2: Sure. And besides, it's a local matter. Uh, yeah. Housing, it didn't take anywhere near as bad a beating in Texas as it did in, uh, in Nevada, that's right. for example. That's right. And consequently, the. Uh, Uh, That's why I made the point that real estate is really a local market determined by local factors. And so, yes, you might find a a real good buy on a home. It's an REO or a foreclosure. Uh, That could be the case, but I'm not smart enough to be able to pick that for every area of the country. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it is a localized issue, isn't it? Uh, and and also, there's so much inventory that has to be cleared. I guess that's a huge part of this and the pricing pressure.
2: Yeah, well, another point: remember, this uh, collapse in real estate began after it blew up into a huge bubble. Huge uh, profits were made. Real estate was your piggy bank. You could see watch prices go up and up and keep refinancing and taking cash out of out of your uh, home with uh, a new mortgage and so forth. Uh, so that's. Uh, uh, I, I don't believe it's going to bottom short of where this that whole bubble started with. In other words, you you've got to take a look at the market, uh, your local market, and as a minimum, uh, you need to find out to look at your, your the, as you look at the market. Think in terms of where that bubble started when the, when it started blowing up in the early of uh, the two thousands, uh, and so the uh, that's just sort of a general guideline, but remember, it's a local market, always is a local market, always will be a local market, and I don't think I can do anything to, to generalize about it that's going to help you.
1: I did have a question about bubbles in general, and this could be any asset bubble. You've seen many market cycles. You've seen bubbles uh, form and bubbles burst. What causes bubbles?
2: Well, Bubbles just come when because the they've caught on the pub, and the public has bid up the prices to unreasonable levels that can't be supported and that, that's what a bubble is and that can happen to anything at any time based on, on customer psychology They They've had a real estate bubble because uh, the uh, the government uh, introduced policies to drive up the price and mm. to make it possible for people to buy homes that couldn't afford it otherwise it, and yeah. probably shouldn't buy it and consequently, and incidentally, I've covered that in Chapter 2 of my latest book in some detail. So you might as well take a look at that to understand how that market blew up. And and the way it blew up uh, is uh, typical of just about any bubble. And, and psychology does it.
1: We do have a question from uh, caller, uh, area code 305. Go ahead with your question for Howard Ruff.
3: Hi, Mr. Ruff. Um, I really appreciate your information, and hope that you uh, are back to your normal, you know, to your usual activities. Um, I I wanted—I heard recently uh, several people saying that our obligations and debt are so unsustainable that um, the United States should just default on its obligations. And many people are talking about moving out of the United States, et cetera. I wonder what your views are.
2: Well, I'll tell you this. The United States, I, I view with alarm, you know, like a lot. of If you read the rough times, you've heard me viewing with alarm often. But I've been outside the United States a lot, too. I visit 85 countries. And when I get back in the United States, I'm always glad to be back here. <laughs> and I, I can't think of any place else would like to be. Oh, maybe if you really wanted to find a place outside the United States, you could probably do well in New Zealand or, or Costa Rica. There are very many places that would have the living in the style that you would have here. But I believe the United States is going to be the best and the safest place to be because I don't believe the government, no matter whose hands the government is in, is going to be able to do anything bad enough in the foreseeable future that would make this a difficult place to live and a difficult place to be. I, I I hope I'm not just being an optimist here, and I hope, but I'm, I'm betting on staying in the United States. Now, there's some places in the United States I wouldn't want to stay. I wouldn't want to be in a big city on the East Coast or the West Coast. Uh, I like Utah because it's isolated from a lot of places that are pretty uh, not, uns- not safe places in the United States. But generally speaking, there are uh, several places that would be really good to live in the United States under the worst of circumstances. Mm. Did you, uh, am I still on? Yes, please go ahead.
3: Uh, yeah, so do you have uh, – actually, you, you hit the uh, – you know, I'm calling you from Miami, and our, our situation here is really, really bad. Uh, I have people working for me that I'm getting them cheaper than – 20 years ago. Oh, my goodness. There are people desperate for jobs here. We, we don't have very good industry. Um, so do you think there, there are places that you can ride out, like with uh, um, people talk about working farms, um, you know, somewhere in the country would, uh, that will not be hit by the, the general, um, you know, I, I think that there's going to be maybe, and I'm, not, and I'm not an alarmist, I think there'll be some civil unrest here with the class disparities.
2: Well, my goodness, if you're forecasting civil unrest, you are an alarmist, but that doesn't mean you aren't right. Aren't right. Well,
3: uh, well, I've traveled, too. I've been, to Haiti. I've, I've been to Haiti, and I see why, you know, Cuba was overturned, because the living conditions there, and this is before the earthquake. This is 20 years ago, and it was dreadful. And I've been in Colombia, and I've seen, you know, the disparity in classes there, and, and I just see people desperate for jobs here in the Miami area, and the yeah, huge well, foreclosures.
2: My personal opinion is, if if I lived in uh, Florida, I'd be heading for someplace else. There are a lot well, of places where the housing is better, for example. Uh, the economy is better. Uh, unemployment is less. Texas is one, one state, but that's the case. It's pretty good up here in Utah, pretty good place in Colorado and New Mexico and the Intermountain West. Uh, there okay. are se- several places. In America, that would make sense. But in the way you figure it out is you take a look at the unemployment rate in these states, and, uh, and look—you uh, you can get—you uh, can go on the internet.
3: Oh yeah, I've I've seen that. Um, you know, some states are kind of cold for me, and uh, but you know that's that's one question I have. The second question, you know, I wish I'd uh, been a subscriber of yours thirty years ago. <laughs> But um, uh, but and I wish you a long life so I can keep getting your advice. How do you? Um, I, a lot of your advice is just uh, you know really smart common wisdom going through all the information out there. But when you when you list Canadian uh, mining stocks and everything, um, how do you keep track of them? Do you have uh, you know do you have some people researching it for you, or what kind of contacts do you have in Canada?
2: Yeah, well, I have people who research it for me. I have some brokers that I can call for, uh, for information and keep up with what's going on, and some of them can't. In and some, and some instances, I can't even tell you who they are because the SEC will, SEC will jump on them for, right. uh, for, for touting stocks, okay. for example. And so I can't tell you who they are, but uh, not because I don't want to tell you, but because the, the SEC has some really weird rules that could really hurt these people. I understand. Uh, I understand. So so I think the, um, uh, I do have that. I also follow very closely, as much as I can, uh, the the general market. I I watch the market generally. uh, My friends who do a lot of this research for me are also um, kind of, they sound the bell when something's happened with a company, for example. A Mm -hmm. company has uh, done a merger or it's the, the, uh, chief uh, executive officer who was really good has all of a sudden dropped dead. You, uh, you have to to plan for these kind of changes. And so I got a lot of help in these areas from uh, people that I, I have known for many years and depend on.
3: Yeah. No, I, I didn't mean to be an alarmist about Miami, but I, I, by civil unrest, I mean, you know, like our crime rate, I feel, is going up, and people, there's a lot of desperation here. And
2: there's also yeah, well, a lot of there's a lot of desperation in a lot of places but there are a lot of places where there is no desperation and so it, the united states is so huge so big and is one state is can be so different from the rest of the country
3: so you don't and, think the entire system be, can be taken down it'll be more of a state by state situation
2: it could be but i don't think it will now for example i I've, i worry about i've worried a lot about the obama administration i believe that they uh, that the executive branch of government has sort of burst its bounds and has, uh, has taken uh, responsibility for a lot of areas that uh, the Constitution really doesn't permit <laughs> permit it to do, and a lot of these things have been very bad. But uh, there's a, I did an article some time ago that got a lot of there was a lot of controversy associated with it. I got a list of uh, 800 uh, concentration camps. And, and all over the United States, 800 concentration camps would be addresses. And there were uh, three within, uh, close to my house, within 40, 50 miles of my house. I visited them. I went and looked. They're there. They're empty. And the they, uh, I got a copy of an email to the military commander in the area giving them a list of groups to watch for to, to keep Uh, Keep up with, uh, and not to act on them until they get an executive order from the president. Now this uh, this would have sounded like, you know, right wing paranoia, if I hadn't been there and seen it. I there was one thirty miles south of where I used to live. Uh, There was a road, a nice new road that went into it, and a military convoy coming out of it when I drove by. There was a big twenty foot wall, a berm, and with a twenty foot barbed bar wire fence on top of it and there were new barracks which were unoccupied uh, and so uh, the groups that uh, were uh, some of the, the groups that the uh, military was watching and these were, were camps going to be run by FEMA uh, some of the uh, groups included people like veterans gun owners uh, veterans of uh, Afghanistan and uh, and Iraq, because of their experience with weapons uh, and uh, similar groups that uh, a paranoid government might decide might be dangerous someday. But uh, right now, the country is turning, really turning on a dime, right tonight. And what you're seeing happening is uh, uh, the uh, the movement, the political movement that uh, Obama and the Congress have given us. Uh, which is moving us in the wrong direction and and, uh, actually collecting a lot of power uh, and unconstitutional power that you might, the real paranoid might forget, forget, decide that uh, they're in danger. Well, I don't worry about that in Utah. For example, what if somebody (laughs) didn't like the fact that a lot of Utahns have guns? They're hunters. Well, somebody came after guns a lot of Utahs have guns <laughs> so I don't know so I uh, I don't have any and uh, but I don't because I don't like them my father killed himself with a gun and uh, and I'm I just um, don't approve of them personally not as a matter of principle I'm I love the Second Amendment and I believe it's important to America but uh, the you, there's all kinds of of that you can use to support a very paranoid look at this sort of stuff. Now, the United States has gone through many crises over its life, many, many crises over its life. And I believe it will work its way through, and I believe what we're seeing tonight is the government uh, actually rebelling against this, this sort of thing happening. And so I think, uh, now, my, my political views... I used to be staunchly Republican. I'm not anymore. I'm a mugwump. A mugwump is <laughs> a bird that sits on a fence with his mug on one side and his wump womp on the other. <laughs> and, and consequently, the, uh, but I'm anti-incumbent. And even some of the people that I have helped elect with our political action committee, uh, they've been there too long. They've changed. There's a saying that says power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And when someone's When some senator's been there for three or four or more terms, he's going to find that to get along in Washington, he has to join the club. And so I don't... When they've been there a while, they need to be gone. And they need to go, and I will not vote for an incumbent except a very few carefully selected ones that I believe have really kept uh, uh, held to their principles. But I'm going to watch even them, because sooner or later... It'll get them, and so in this election, if we have a lot of new senators and congressmen, they'll probably be fine for a couple of terms, and eventually the power will get them. Yeah. And it will become corrupted. And consequently, I'd like to see a turnover government. I'd like to see government become citizen politicians.
3: So in your newsletter, did you actually list where these concentration camps are? No, I didn't. Oh, you just reported them, because I've I've been hearing reports about that as well, and
2: it's kind of um, uh, disturbing. Well, you, you can go on the Internet and find them.
3: Yeah, okay.
1: Th- thank you for your uh, question tonight. We do have another question from area code 650.
2: Okay. Incidentally, I'll tell you where two of those concentration camps are. One's I've seen, one's at Camp, William, Camp Williams in Utah, which is south of Salt Lake City. Another is uh, near the little town of Alberta, which is... Uh, on the shores of Utah Lake, south of where I used to live. Mm. Uh, another one is an uh, old concentration camp I used to own. It's where they put the Japanese during World War II. Wow. I bought that place and sold the water rides to the power company and made some money on it. Wow! And then uh, they have repaired the, all the barracks, and that's ready to receive uh, visitors again. Mm. But they, they have not been... Uh, they're just being guarded by soldiers, but they're empty.
1: Mm. Interesting. Question from Area 605 in California. Go ahead with your question for Howard. Area code 605, I'm sorry, 650. My, my mistake, 650.
4: Hi, Howard. Uh, it's great to have you back on the call. Um, I had a, a quick question regarding uh, the silver market. Uh, recently, I read an article about some investors that had. Uh, Sued J.P. Morgan Chase regarding uh, manipulation of silver prices, uh, and that they hold billions of dollars worth of silver contracts. Um, I knew the article was significant, uh, significant uh, at a significant level that would impact the silver prices in the future. Could you break us break that down in terms of what that means to you know common you know silver investors like us who you know, hold physical silver or hold mining stocks?
2: Well, what's happening, uh, apparently, and Ted Butler is the man who's publicized a lot of this. He was writing a regular column for Investment rarities which was being published, and now he's independently. Uh, he's writing a, letter, a newsletter independently. But what he's decided is seen as huge short positions in the futures market. Shorts position. if there's a lot of shorts, I mean, there's a lot of selling uh, in the futures contract. and And silver prices are determined by the futures market. Right now, if you see a a chart showing you what silver prices are doing, it will be showing what the current uh, contract uh, in the futures market is. Now, uh, uh, there's one uh, firm that, uh, I, I don't want to mention their name yet. I'm going to do my homework on it and do an article in the Rough Times. But they have over half of the uh, short positions in the uh, 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 on and silver and that's very, very much suppressing the price sooner or later all short positions have to be covered which means the shorts have to buy and when they buy when they have to when they have to buy uh, and they will eventually have to buy uh, silver uh, silver contracts offset their short positions when that happens, silver prices are going to explode. That's the first thing. Silver prices will explode. And consequently, uh, as far as, it's, uh, as mining stocks, uh, see, silver is an unusual metal and it's really a byproduct. Of, uh, a lot of it is a byproduct of lots of other mining operations. And uh, well, zinc, for example, one of the big byproducts is silver a lot of of uh, companies mine all kinds of metals and silver is a byproduct. Now, when the silver uh, is uh, suddenly, uh, the price is being suppressed by these future sales, by the short positions, it, it holds the price down. But eventually, sooner or later, when it's covered, it'll go up, and the mining stocks will go up also. Because what happens when the commodity being mine goes up the value of the mine goes up and when the value of the mine goes up so the, the potential earnings go up and so the uh, uh, so when that happens silver is going to explode it's really truly explode that's one reason why I've recommended silver that's not the only reason there's several reasons why I've recommended silver but the main concern my main concern is uh
1: Sounds like we have some nice music playing.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, my cell phone just took off. Somebody tried to call me.
1: All right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway, uh, the, uh, eventually silver is not going to be suppressed, and it's going to explode to the upside. I believe you be, You could make from this, these levels around $22, $23 an ounce. I think you could make three or 400 times your money soon.
1: When those shorts start being covered. Thank you. Did we get your question, sir? Absolutely.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you for it. And we have another question from uh, 317. We appreciate the questions here. Area code 317. I believe that's Indiana. Go ahead with your question for Howard.
2: Hi, Howard. I'm uh, new to the rough times, and I've seen that a lot of uh, mining stocks in your list have run up. And I'm concerned that if I buy them now, I'm paying too high of a price. Are you um, comfortable with um, recommending these stocks at these prices? Great question. Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, and maybe the answer to that is above my pay grade. Uh, um, the, uh, uh, as I look at these prices, I say to myself, Great, Scott, we've had this run up a lot. Maybe we ought to sell. If I were a short-term trader, that's exactly what i do. But I'm not a short-term trader. If, I, if they're on there, I believe they're going to go higher. I really do. Uh, I believe they're going to go higher. And I believe that s- silver, for example, or gold, bought at anywhere near current prices. Someday you'd brag to your grandchildren about how smart you were. And I believe there's upside in everything in that uh, menu. If you're worried about it, so buy some of the lower price ones. You don't have – there's 64 investments there. So you can pick it. You can pick and choose. Uh, so you don't have to buy them all the average person couldn't afford to buy them all so uh, you're, 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 i don't, I'm not smart enough to pick out which ones uh maybe have reached their peaks I don't know uh, or which ones uh maybe uh, need to be sold. I unloaded some copper stocks uh some time ago and uh because copper had exploded the price and I saw some weaknesses, some technical weaknesses and technical, meaning mean a chart uh, chart picture looked kind of chancy and also fundamentals. So if I look at, a, at an industry like that uh, I will take a look at, at not just a particular stock but I will take a look at an industry perhaps and decide to get out of it, get a not join, not uh, be buying into a certain industry. But when I, when I have several stocks in an industry and the prices are all over the place, I don't know which ones are the ones that are gonna succeed. Because sometimes uh, when they explode to the upside, uh, they've done so because uh, they had the be- better PR people. Yeah. And uh, drew a lot of attention to the stock. Sometimes there's been uh, some fundamentals, some really good news has driven the price, but you never really know uh, whether it's uh, just been publicized so much that the, the price has been, uh, that people have been attracted to the stock and buying has driven up the price, or whether it's uh, something very fundamental. Uh, so... Uh, and to follow I, up with my question, then, do you ever pull a stock off of your list because it's run up too high? I mean, do you have a? I just uh, explained. I just explained how I I pulled my copper stocks off the list, and because I thought that the industry had gone to had gone uh, uh, was showing severe weakness. So, okay. but I didn't do it because of an individual stock. <laughs> uh, it was the industry that I was worried about, and it turned out to be right. Copper had been down almost 50% since then. So maybe I was just lucky. might have been. In fact, then my uh, opinion of my performance, short-term performance, is the cross between an elephant and a rhino. elephino.
1: <laughs> Thank you for your question. All right. Thanks for your help. Is that covered? Yeah. Thank you. Area 941, your question for Howard Ruff. Please go ahead.
5: Um, I have um, – I already have some silver and gold coins, but um, I see that you – and I also have um, um, uh, an Oppenheimer uh, Mutual Fund in the Golden Special Minerals Fund, and, but, but I'm very interested in this Central Fund of Canada – Okay. Ltd is i'm I'm not really quite sure what is this closed end? Bullion fund. What does that mean? It's a closed
2: end. I'm sorry, I must sound really stupid. Okay. Well, technically, the difference between an open end and a closed end fund. If it's an open end mutual fund, is when you buy it, they create new shares and send it to you, and the and the, stock, the thing is continually issuing new shares. That's the typical what people, most people, think of as a mutual fund. That's an open ended fund. A closed end fund has a fixed amount of a, of, a, of a particular investment. Like, for example. Uh, Central Fund of Canada has uh, a fixed amount. I don't remember the exact amount of gold and silver, and the and the ratio is like uh, 50, $50, 50 ounce of uh, of uh, silver to one ounce of gold. Uh, and but that that amount will stay pretty much constant. They won't add to it, a- and the price will go up along with the metals. It will act differently. Uh, from um, a closed-end fund, uh, from an open-end fund, excuse me. And when, they price, when the, uh, the metals prices go up, uh, I believe that it will pretty well mirror the per- performance of the metals. That's one reason I like it. And, uh, and it's not uh, creating new shares all the time to sell to the public. Uh, that's what a, a, a typical closed, open-end mutual fund does. They don't do that.
5: So it it so it does does that mean that you theoretically might not be able to get into it because there won't be enough shares?
2: No, no. That just Press the price will go up. The market will oh, determine what it's worth. Okay, okay. I see. So, that so that, they won't. Uh, they don't have to issue more shares. And they and the number of shares I was saying doesn't really matter. The price of the shares matters.
5: So that's one of your favorite gold mining mutual funds, then?
2: Yeah, it's because it's the one closed-end fund. Oh. And it's, uh, I know the managers, I know the people behind it, and I have confidence in there that they are honest and good judgment, oh. and they have the medals that they say they have. Okay. That's one reason I like it. It's, it's a good part of my personal portfolio.
5: Okay, Thank
1: you. Thank you for your question. We had a question in uh, related from Carol, came in through email. She says, um, in your October 2009 newsletter investment, how are we doing? You mentioned that you took profits on ASA Gold Mining Mutual Fund. I don't know if that's a closed or an open-end fund, Howard, but uh, she says, I have one of your recommended silver stocks that has doubled in value. Here's the question. Is there a right answer as to when I should sell, or is it just whenever the money is needed? I I guess this is very related to uh, this idea of when do you exit it, which you have explained. Uh, And then there's another question about IRA, which might be more something that you want to look at now. She says, I have a precious metal IRA, and I was wondering what you would recommend I do with it. Should I pay a penalty to liquidate it and buy the physical gold and silver instead?
2: That's one of the toughest questions of all, because there is a that, that tax penalty you have to pay when you liquidate it. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to do that. But I also don't like to have my metals uh, in a government managed, a government uh, controlled fund, because I, I don't want to. I might as well put up a sign in my house that says "Gold and Silver Here." <laughs> Uh, and I don't think that's a very smart idea. When I, if I have the, the the metals for protection, I don't want anybody to know where I have it uh, and so or are, are, are to know what I have. And, and when the, some of these uh, gold and silver companies are actually creating IRAs and bragging that you can put it in an IRA, well, the short-term benefit of putting it in an IRA may seem seductive, but I think it's a very bad idea.
1: Okay. All right, Terrific. That's a question from Carol. We appreciate your questions. uh, Live on the call, star six, your questions for Howard. Let's uh, look at the election. We have uh, a big evening happening as we speak here. Next questioner. Oh, we do have a question here from uh, area. Oh, you're back. Area 305. Go ahead with yours, please.
3: Yeah, on the on the question of the IRAs, if you're in a position to liquidate your IRAs, you know, due to age or disability, do you recommend doing that, or do you recommend keeping things, in, keeping IRAs open?
2: Well, if you want to keep yourself exposed to the government knowing where your metals are, keep it.
3: But but they know where you you know if you have anything in the stock market, they know.
2: It, it yeah, only well, if you have it. The the things I've re- recommended eventually you're going to want to get rid of all of your your stock market oriented uh, metals and mining stocks and so forth and put that into uh, into coins, all yeah, the old coins. But, but for for right now, uh, that is question of timing that's beyond me it's exactly when that'll happen when i'd want to liquidate all these things so i'm going to be watching the stock market for liquidity if i see the dangers of liquidity in the stock market in general if i see some real dangers there then i'm going to suggest that we start liquidating so
3: you're the liquidating is the same for the iras and a regular account
2: no the it's- iras are different have it uh uh, a mortgage and problem. The IRAs, uh, uh, I, I see what you're getting at. The,
3: uh, and, and some people can't, you know, there's a penalty for taking things out of an IRA, but for some people, they can already start taking things out of, you know, money out of their IRA.
2: Yeah, why well, take the money out of the IRA?
3: Well, that's what I'm asking you. If I have a chance to hold, uh, if I have an IRA and it's, you know, I can switch stocks without paying tax, until you say switch to bullion or coins, um, I might as well keep it because I won't, I won't be paying tax on on what's accrued in, in a Roth IRA. I
2: know that. But yeah. So, I, I want to get myself out of the hands of government.
3: But but aren't we in the hands of the government as long as we own? have things with brokerage firms, either whether it's in an IRA or not?
2: Yes. But what's that got to do with the advice? The advice is that when you have uh, precious metals, the government uh, in the past when they decided, to, when Roosevelt called in gold, they didn't call in mining stocks. They didn't call in rare coins. They just called in gold. And so there's, uh, I don't believe that these, these things are as much of a threat if the government knows you have them. Uh, you're you're.
3: But, but but you're saying okay. But are you saying that mining stocks in an IRA are? Oh, I, I say you're you're saying in an IRA you shouldn't put the actual physical gold. You should put mining. You can. But you can put mining stocks. Yeah, you can. Okay, I I, I see what you're. I see the differentiation, differentiation you're making. Okay, thank you.
1: Thank you for your question. Caller from area fi- uh, 951, that is. Go ahead with your question for Howard, please.
4: Hi, Howard. Thank you for your great advice uh, over this many years that I've been a oh,
1: uh, Are you still there? Yeah.
4: Uh, yes, I'm here.
1: We're in and out a little bit. Okay. Go ahead, please.
4: Yeah, I was just thanking Howard for his great advice for the many years I've been a subscriber. Uh, I have a, a couple of questions. One, um, I have a good chunk of a uh, my investment capital in uh, Canadian uh, mining trust, Canadian oil trusts, I should say, pardon me. And I was wondering about uh, if you're going to give us a, a signal when to sell those or when do you think they might be able to sell, when we should be able to sell them or should sell them. Well,
2: the, my, the Canadian uh, the uh, oil trusts uh, are in two categories. Uh, the government... Uh, uh created when they created these trusts, they did not uh, apply a corporate tax to, to the corporation, and so consequently, the yields that they could pay out to uh, shareholders were immense. You could get well ten fifteen even twenty five percent but when you bought it. but then the government decided there was a lot of money going to waste for them they didn't they they thought well, hey, we might as well tax them so they taxed them but they created a grandfather group that they did not apply taxes to and they're the ones that were of of a certain age and so i'd limited the ones that the government had decided to tax and i knew the profits wouldn't be as great there and uh, and but i kept uh, the oil trusts uh there Yeah
4: those are the, those are the ones i own Howard i was just wondering if uh, there would be a time to sell those
2: Possibly, yeah. i well, will watch. Uh, I've watched them closely. I have a, a good chunk of them because yeah, uh, I,
4: I have a good chunk of them, and uh, of all the ones you mentioned, and my return is over eight percent average. So I'm I'm thrilled to death with it. Uh, the other question I have is uh, our mutual broker that you recommend, Jim Raby. Mm-hmm. He buys. He is. Uh, put me in some uh, mining stocks that have done exceptionally well but aren't on your list. I was was wondering why why uh why he does that.
2: <laughs> well, he he he's not in my back pocket, I'm
4: not well, in his back pocket. I know, I know. I just I just uh I think he's a brilliant guy. He's he's uh he really is but I'm, he turned, if he uh, has some if he has
2: some good investments he's recommended that if not told me about i'm gonna chew his his ear off guy well
4: I'm, he's 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 turned uh, uh he's turned uh well he's about double my money and the money i put with him in in two years so I'm That's extraordinary that.
2: okay now that that raises another point i've really uh, the, if you're investing in the mining stocks, you're you're lo- looking for profit, but you're also speculating. That's not Absol- really investing.
4: That's absolutely right, but I, I don't have a big position in that. I, most of my position in uh, metal
2: Well, you don't need is, uh, a very big position. A relatively no. small position will make <laughs> you a lot of money.
4: Yeah, that's right. That's And that's why I keep it a, a more minor amount of my portfolio.
2: Well... You, you've um, you, if you've done well, thank Jim Raby for that. But why didn't he tell me about it? I'm going to get mad at Jim.
4: <laughs> well, thank you, Howard. I, I thank you again for your many years of great advice. And by the way, I bought my precious metal way back when, before the last run-up, and uh, I, w- I never did. Uh, I wasn't in a position to sell it when it was even. Right, uh, said to sell it, and I've held it all this time, and now it's back up again, so I'm thrilled to death with that.
2: Well, good for you, and congratulations.
4: Thank you, much, Howard.
1: Fabulous. Thank you for your question. That's good stuff. Um, all right, we're uh, coming up to the top of the hour with Howard. Your questions uh, star six as we come up to the end. Howard, we have a big night in, uh, in the uh, political front. The Republicans... Likely uh, regaining quite a bit of control. Is this going to change uh, what I'll call the corruption, the the the, the, uh, the mess in Washington?
2: Oh, I don't know. That's, that's <laughs> a very a very yeah. darn interesting question. And that's exactly what I want to find out. But I I think that the principle is power corrupts absolutely, power corrupts absolutely. And after someone is there a couple of terms, I'm going to watch them very, very closely. Yeah. Because they will join the club. And believe me, if you've been around Washington much, and I used to live there, uh, and if you've been around the politicians in, in the, that are in Washington, and I helped elect a lot of them, uh, you have... Uh, You see what it does to people. I remember one time I was offered the unopposed Republican nomination for the House from Utah County. And if I wanted, I could have had it. The party offered it to me. So I went to Washington to find out. Whether I've, I had a little bit of Potomac fever, and I wanted to find out whether I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I decided I didn't want to do it, because when I talked to some of my friends that I'd elected, I saw them had already been corrupted. It only took about one term. Mm-hmm. I found others that uh, told me about the comp- all the compromise they had to make in order to get things done that they wanted to do, and I knew I couldn't do that, not, yes. I don't know how to do that. And consequently, I turned it down. Uh, I just... Um, the, the uh, I don't trust them. I, I love my country, but I fear and distrust my government. Now remember that. I love my country, but I fear and distrust my government. Consequently, uh, this change is necessary. We need to make these changes, and big changes occurring tonight. I don't have the up-to-the-minute results, but some of the biggest and most important races have been won by the Republican Party, but the Republican Party didn't exactly distinguish themselves over the Bush years. They spent way, way too much money. I don't, uh, I don't really know. But we're going to watch them very closely. And watching them closely is going to tell us when uh, we, we uh, want to change the cast of characters in Washington. Not necessarily just to get rid of particular guys. I just don't want anybody there more than two or three terms of the House and a couple of yeah. terms of the Senate.
1: Yeah, the terms limit idea. Final question for the evening. I just uh, had to ask you. More quantitative easing, as it's uh, affectionately called QE2. So we're going to pump more money into the system. What happens now?
2: <laughs> that's My goodness, I, I don't think that's, that's,
1: that's above time. your pay grade at all. Uh, I mean... It's the velocity of money and, and the, a crisis of um, of confidence more than anything. Don't you agree?
2: Well, the, f- the first thing is just the dollar created by the uh, Federal Reserve or the banking system isn't necessarily inflationary unless it gets into circulation. Okay. And if it sits in a deposit or a, 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 an account at the Federal Reserve, that's not highly inflationary. Okay. But when they start uh, the... Uh, uh, when they start uh, liquidating or uh, buying the uh, the dollars, if the Chinese won't buy them, uh, our dollars are securities. When the government has to borrow money, uh, and the Fed borrows them, then that gets that's highly inflationary money. Uh, I think that's the beginning of a, a real serious inflation. The inflation uh, will generally lag by two two as much as three or four years uh, behind the creation of money the inflation will the uh, uh infla- monetary inflation is what i'm worried about yeah monetary inflation is not necessarily price inflation they're two different things and so it's a monetary inflation that's created by both the amount and the velocity of money and so the if they're increasing the amount and the velocity of money by this by buying uh, buying up uh, government securities yeah. that that's that's an increase in the amount of uh, money in circulation
1: so we might look to an inflation uh, actually hitting two to four years roughly give or take is what i'm hearing right
2: yep
1: oh boy well we're going to go uh, watch the election results uh, together folks thanks for joining us on this Rough Roughonomics U teleclass be sure to check the Rough Times website that's com for future events we do these twice a month minimally sometimes more we've got a rotation of wonderful guests uh, Howard appears at least once a month with us uh, alone and then we uh, invite some smart people on the line to uh, help us uh, sort it all out and we appreciate you being here and we appreciate your questions. Uh, So uh, check the website out for future events. And uh, the recording to this event will be available on the website shortly, probably within a day or so. Uh, And you should check if you haven't been to the rough times lately, you ought to check it out. There's a whole lot of new stuff there uh, for you. So have a good evening. Thank you. And remember to uh, be a maverick and leave the Wall Street herd. Good luck with all your investing. Good night.